Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 267 for Monday, October 16th, 2023. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixorifs, and joining me, as always, is disappointed crab voter Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to say to that other than you are correct, sir. And uh, <laughs> if you want to hear a lot about correction, particularly about correcting your posture, maybe even correcting your fitness, Johnny and I had a good conversation in our pre-show about a new rowing machine heading his way and fitness in general. And uh, it was a really fun conversation for me. And I think it's really, always really fun to have uh, conversations with people that are heading on that that path. And if you'd like to hear that, you can join the Patreon at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks. We record an extra, I don't know, half an hour or so every week that you get access to. There's a pre-show, there's a post-show. I'm sure we will have more than we can fit in this episode. So you can stay tuned to the post-show for probably more Minecraft talk. Uh, typically, we have uh, bonuses for our patrons, including things like the chunk mail dispenser that has been unlocked by our patrons. Since this is the Minecraft Live week, this is normally the chunk mail dispenser week in the month, but we're pushing that to next week. So next week will be an all email episode, which should be good. It gives everybody a, a good week to respond to Minecraft Live, the features that were announced, and kind of send those thoughts into us. So we'll have a really fun episode next week with all that feedback. Uh, we do have some feedback today. Some people were right on the ball <laughs> and emailed us right away. Uh, we have a quarterly hangout coming up this Saturday. Uh, that will be where we go over the stats and figures and the download numbers and stuff for the podcast, as well as future plans. And the monthly Minecraft hangout will be on Saturday, October 28th. That is where we hang out with members of our community and look at the things they've been building in Minecraft. And who knows, we may even have a new snapshot by then as well. Yeah, that's going to be an exciting thing. And of course, yeah, the, the news is going to be primarily Minecraft Live 2023. Uh, there's a bit of snapshot stuff coming up and the emails are just going to fold right into the main discussion. But we're, we're going to get to all of that in a second for now. We have been playing Minecraft a little bit this week aside from watching all of these announcements. So why don't you kick us off with what's new on the Citadel? I finished the crypt underneath the East road graveyard in west hill it was something that i had started just at the end of last weekend uh, i missed a stream this weekend because of minecraft live so i only streamed thursday and saturday for minecraft and i was like you know this i'm i'm in this dig i love logging into minecraft for a stream and having a singular task finish the hole you started digging yesterday and so that's what i did i we lined the walls with deep slate i textured it with lots of cracked deep slate uh lots of uh cobble deep slate and basalt for uh, accents where the the wall has been broken apart a little bit throwing in some stone buttons on the ground for maybe little bits of you know rock that have fallen down throwing a little bit of coarse dirt here and there uh the floor is all stone bricks cracked stone bricks andesite cobblestone nothing new there it's all kind of the the same thing that i texture with uh, around a lot i did manage to fit in some gravel and some coarse dirt in a few places I tried some rooted dirt and some mud, but they just ended up being a little bit too dark and they looked like the wall was kind of bleeding into the floor. So I decided to dial those back. The advantage that I have is that it is very dimly lit. It's lit all with soul lanterns and just light enough that you can see what you're doing when you're walking around in there. The very corners of this big rectangle have a light level of one. So like it's just enough to make sure there's no uninvited guests, but it's light enough so that when you're walking down the aisles of this kind of crypt that you can still see the chests and uh, that's part of the mission for this is that i've lined all of these walls with uh they're they're trap chests for me but my texture for trap chests means that they look like they're made of spruce 
So mm -hmm. they kind of have a darker look to them. And I've turned them around. And I, this was a last minute edition that I kind of stumbled on. Because I wanted it to look like a crypt and these to look like coffins or sarcophagi or whatever, I I turned the chests around so that they face the back so that you can't see the bright clasp on the mm -hmm. front of the of the chest. And I didn't just stack the chests like a storage system. So it's not chest on chest. Uh, there's a probably a four block ceiling, but there's only two chests per or per stack. So there's like a stone. Uh, actually, it's a deep slate tile kind of shelf that they sit on. And so each chest has like a little bit of space above it. It looks very functional. It looks very aesthetic, but it's going to function as uh, player storage for me because underneath the keep currently is where I've been living for almost three years in this area, which is baffling. Uh, November 4th actually is the anniversary of breaking ground in West Hill Valley. So um, I'm going to need to move my storage space from underneath the uh, the keep to something a little bit, uh, not temporary, but a little bit more hidden and out of the way, but still nearby, because I need to turn the basement of the keep into like a dungeon. And I think I had a distillery plan. Like I've got some plans for that area. And I can't do that when I've got shulker boxes everywhere and all this stuff. I think the biggest shift for me will be moving my shulker boxes from just being on the wall and accessible to being inside of chests. And I'll have to take them out in order to get things out of them. So there'll be an extra step there depending on how I do it. So I'll have to be a little bit more organized and careful with how I, you know, put things in where. And uh, I don't want to put signs and labels on on the 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 coffins in the crypt. So I'm going to have to remember where I put stuff. But I've got quite a few. There is, let's see if I can remember, one, two, three, four, five rows of six plus an additional, uh, I want to say 12 on each end. I think I've got something like 40 something or almost 60 chests, uh, double chests, I should say. So I've got a lot of room. Uh, it's it's a decent space. It fills up nearly the entire underground under the, the graveyard, but I'm really happy with it. It's a very simple build. You'd never know it was there. It's It's kind of partially just for me for storage but i'm glad that it looks the part like it doesn't look like it's just a, a hole in the ground where player has obviously got crafting tables and you know junk everywhere so it's it's going to actually hide a lot of the utility of being in this area for so long and if you're closing in on the end of this project then i guess you don't have to remember where everything is for too long right like if you're hoping no, to finish exactly. up sometime in the next couple of months maybe then like yeah you, you don't have to worry too much about like oh where did i leave the coarse dirt and the the deep slate mm -hmm. bricks and everything else you can just kind of like dig through it for a couple of days and then and then be done with it and that's um something that i'm, I'm really happy i laid out so much of my storage early and and built such a large storage room because like I can go back to that so frequently and I know I'm mm -hmm. not going to do anything else with it in the meantime. Like I'm building for practicality and for survival gameplay's sake rather than for like straight up aesthetics. Um, but then obviously, yeah, if I wanted to convert that into something else in future, that'd be a heck of a lot of chests to move. So uh, I guess it's a good thing that a lot of your storage is mobile and you have shulkers and you're not uh, still kind of struggling through the early to mid game with the amount of resources you're throwing around. Yeah, the bulk of my storage actually underneath the keep is shulker based. Uh, I do have a barn that has some storage in it. Uh, that's when in the valley when I first started. And that really feels like uh, the kind of first storage room that you have in like a new world. Yeah. You know, like if you go back to it after a couple of months. So it's organized, but there's kind of like a little bit of everything. It's not really overflowing. Uh, the only thing that'll be challenging in moving some stuff from the keep is that i do have a bulk storage that has like you know dirt stone bricks 
andesite, like all that stuff. Uh, they're not full though. Uh, well, the dirt and the grass is, but the, the rest of them are not full. So in a way, if I can get to, um, now that we've got the dragon to fight a number of times, if I can get to the outer end islands and pick up some shulker boxes, then it really becomes quite simple. I could condense things down, I think, quite easily. Because I think even at most, if one of those columns in the bulk storage is full, there's only three double chests. Like it's not an absolute ton, right? Uh, when you're at six years into an end game, you know, server. So I'm I'm thinking that it's going to be um, easy enough to move. I think the hardest part is going to be not the shulker wall because that's all organized and color coded. It's going to be the the mini shulker wall around my crafting table in my bed that's got just like junk in it. Like there's yeah, <laughs> there um, pottery sherds and like feathers and bows from skeletons. Like I don't throw anything away, which is good and bad. <laughs> Like, yeah, it means it means like that one time I want to craft like a book and quill. I've totally got feathers and ink just right there. Mm -hmm. But then th the rest of the time, I'm just like, why do I have two stacks of ink and then eight feathers in this chest? Like, why? <laughs> yeah. So there's stuff like that that does kind of creep up. But I mean, it's it's going when I'd, I'd like to try and push to finish this. I'd like to think I can finish it by my goal was the three year mark. But like, it's already the middle of October. So I don't see that happening in two weeks unless I do some big long stream pushes or something. But we'll see. What have you been up to this week in Minecraft? Uh, this week I rescued six LAs from a burning building uh, and eight from a perfectly intact building. I have, of course, been out raiding woodland mansions. Uh, so the, <laughs> this seems to now be a tradition which began with season two of the survival guide, but the first woodland mansion that I visit just straight up burned down. Um, and that's as a result of having left fire spread on, which I didn't typically do in the early days of gameplay. Like I liked being able to build with fire, but now we have campfires and whatnot. I kind of figure, sure, I'll leave it on. And, you know, it's part of the default game. What happens, happens. And so there was one lava source generating in a cave adjoining the back of this woodland mansion. So I went through the front door. Nothing was wrong. Check out these rooms. Here's some loot. A uh, couple of indicators down the hall. Don't worry about them yet. Shoot them with a bow. And then I went around one corridor and was just met with a blaze of fire creeping towards me, already burning through the statue of the evoker in the side room with the lapis block in its head and everything. And so naturally that became a little bit chaotic, but of course... They very smartly put the allays in completely cobblestone boxes so that those right. don't burn down. And also chests don't burn either. So I actually got away with looting that first woodland mansion with surprising ease. I didn't even have to meet an evoker. I just found a totem of undying where it had dropped from an upstairs floor. You know, floor underneath it had burned out and just like dropped it three floors down to the, the bottom of the mansion. So... um yeah, had a bit of an easy time with that one, but figured for the sake of the tutorial, I should probably go to one that was intact. Ended up looking up the coordinates of a second one because I got a map from a cartographer to take me to the first one, but I thought that cartographer's just going to sell me the same map, right? So I decided to uh, just look it up on Chunkbase and found one that was an equivalent distance away laterally, and it was just like 8,000 blocks further north. And it turns out with Riptide and a Trident, you can get there in about a minute and a half. <laughs> so that was not not too terrible for an 8,000 block trip. But uh, yeah, I, I ended up raiding a second Woodland Mansion, got six LAs from the first one, eight LAs from the second one, brought them all home, one on a live stream where I just went over land and LA following and pathfinding is actually really solid as long as you don't fly away because the acceleration is going to take you outside of their follow range pretty quickly. 
Um, so I was able to, you know, use boats and just kind of travel over land. It took a couple of in-game days, but I got them all back home pretty successfully. And then the second set I brought home through the Nether just to compare the two methods. And honestly, I would go Overworld, even though the the trip itself was fairly long. Like, it definitely took a decent amount of time. I think the time I spent going through the Overworld is probably even shorter than the time it took me to build a tunnel and a bridge system through the Nether so that I wasn't relying entirely on Nether landscape and so that I could basically take a shortcut across lava lakes. But it just takes a really long time to bridge. So, yeah, it was a little bit nerve-wracking. Fortunately, though, Alays are quite smart and know not to fly into columns of lava. And even if they do take a bit of damage, they seem to regenerate health fast enough that I didn't end up losing any throughout the entire trip. Um, so now I brought them back to my base. I can obviously duplicate them with shards, so none of the effort put in was really all that necessary as long as I had one. But it still felt like a good thing to... Uh, rescue them all and, and bring them all back just so I wasn't kind of leaving them there. Um, of course, now I'm working on a place to store them all because having 14 fairies tied to a fence post is not good optics, especially when you've said that you're rescuing them from their original captivity. Uh, so what I'm now doing is I'm working on a system. I've, I'm kind of mocking up a few ideas for this in creative, but because they can get into boats... Um, and this is often a defense people use against vexes in stuff like raid farms. Um, but you can store them effectively two at a time in boats. And so I'm trying to find a reliable way of setting that up and then having them float around a system which basically drops the boat into sort of like a storage silo and the boats can just kind of stack on top of each other. And what I end up with is a two at a time Allay Pez dispenser where I can just like pull two of them out, you know, break the boat, get some leads, tug them out of the system, go and use them to farm mangrove trees or whatever I like to use them for. And whether they stay there permanently or whether they go back into the system, I kind of want something that I can use to kind of dispense a lays every so often. So that's that's my current project for uh, the first part of this week. I have not messed with a lays yet, which is surprising. Um, hopefully when I get into more technical stuff. So remind me, if, when you're traveling along, do they like teleport to you in the same way that a dog does? Like if you get too far out of the way or do they just kind of catch up and fly quickly? They fly and their flight is very fast. And once mm, they get mm -hmm. outside of like maybe like a 16 block radius of the player, they will rubber band kind of catch up to you. Almost like in a, a okay. Mario Kart race or whatever, where it's like, you know, the person right. at the back okay. gets a little bit of extra speed to kind of make it to the front. That's and what I was thinking. Unless they get caught on really specific terrain formations, they are very good at following you into tunnels and you know stuff like that mm. so taking them through the nether even though i was basically digging out like a two by two tunnel and it went through different biomes and different kind of overhangs and stuff even at some point they would kind of fly off the edge of this platform and i sort of imagined them like bees you know pathfinding down to the block that they right. can hover above and, and that was and my falling, next question falling into lava they don't do that they hover oh, nice. and they hover very consistently so they are pretty good at preserving themselves and i sort of wish that bees were the same way um but yeah no they're, they're good at keeping themselves alive and so yeah I, I was able to walk back over lava lake bridges with no safety rails over some of it you know two block wide bridge ghasts firing at me repelling that with bows and arrows and that kind of thing and was able to get them all home no problem um where yeah now i'm using them to help me farm mangrove wood because you can just fill your inventory with logs and let the allays compost everything else for you with the right kind of note block into hopper minecart into composter setup 
Um, I've got one harvesting amethyst shards from a geode for me because it's all flooded and so it can just gather all of the stuff that comes up to the surface and you know throw that at me when I'm done mining all of the, the stuff in the geode right. out. Um, yeah. And the other things I've got them doing is collecting sniffer seeds because otherwise it's like a huge area of grass that your sniffers are grazing in and you've got like you know 14 miles of hopper minecart track underneath all of that to to keep it all collected whereas with a couple of allays you can just have them float around inside the pen gathering any of the torch flower seeds that the sniffers dig up and just pop them in a chest for you and just keep doing that over and over again so there, there are some things that there's actually really good synergy between the allays and features that have been added recently that i think uh, really can't go uh, understated at this point i think they, they're very very good yeah i'm looking forward to to messing around with them i'm not sure how i could mess like incorporate them into a sci-fi build i've always thought a really cool thing to do with allays would be now that we have chiseled bookshelves would be to make it look like a lays in a library we're moving books from one side to the other oh that's kind cool. of like ha have some dispensers kind of like behind the scenes and like they'll just they'll pick up a book it looks like it fell off the shelf they just kind of pick it up move it along uh and then dump it somewhere where it looks like it's being put away because you've got the receptacle by a chiseled bookshelf or something yeah and I, I haven't worked out the logistics but that doesn't fit in a sci-fi world it's kind of more of like a uh, a fantasy idea because they do have like a very very fairy kind of idea yeah you, can, you can't quite pass them off as like aliens if you retext them to be drones I, maybe that'd be one thing there so that was that was my next <laughs> idea was like well right. I, I i'm thinking like if i really want to have some fun with the sci-fi thing and i want to try and branch out a bit i'd like to try to do something like maybe a very specific texture pack uh maybe even looking into like prompting players if they come into the area because we have these zones on the citadel and it would be nice to say oh you're entering joel's sci-fi zone you might want to download this texture pack and install it so things look the way that he wants and i wouldn't do anything crazy like i don't want to retexture blocks because i think one of the challenges is going to be to do this with the minecraft blocks as best yeah, i can yeah but mobs would be great to be able to like let's just turn zombies into like the aliens from the simpsons or something or you know <laughs> yeah. have a lays be like like you said little drones like i'm not sure if everybody remembers the movie batteries not included from the 80s or uh, even just as something as simple as like putting a little round space helmet on an LA and just leaving it as it is and just like having it float around in like a kind of like a Warner Brothers, like Duck Dodgers and Marvin the Martian kind of retro 50 sci-fi Jetsons, like that kind of stuff would be really fun. Mm -hmm. And and I think that I don't know what I would do with them. I wouldn't be books. It would probably be something else. Uh, it would be fun to have them move potions around or something like that. Maybe they're, they're aliens experimenting on someone. Like, I don't know. We could have some fun with that. But again, with anything in this game that has movement, you know, like I'd love to retexture bees to do something, even if they just were robot bees, like just to have them be metal bees flying around. They're so animated. They add so much life to things. I think that could be really, really interesting. So we'll see. But I, I'm, I'm glad that you're messing around with them because I have been catching up on their survival guide as there are things that you're doing now currently that I'm looking to get back into because I kind of missed them as, as I've been spending so much time in West Hill. Uh, one of them was the mob farm and the refresh on the mob mechanics and how they, they've changed recently. But then also I say recently, it's been a couple of years, but, um, and then also the LA's because uh, cosmic on the server wants a mob farm underneath their Somerville area not for the drops, but to reduce the amount of surface spawns because right. it's, uh -huh. to, keep, to keep it looking floral and nice, torches everywhere is not great. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. 
so we want to try to encourage mobs to spawn underground in the dark so i'm going to be reviewing all that kind of stuff and it's it's handy now to see the survival guide move into kind of like i'm not sure what you want to call it are you end game are you mid end game like what do you call it now that you've beaten the dragon and you're kind of exploring some of these more I guess, advanced features in Minecraft? Yeah, I'd say we're sort of mid to end game right now. I don't really consider it end game until I've got like beacons and stuff and I haven't really approached right. the wither or anything sure. yet. Um, but yeah, we're, we're getting there uh, is, is how I put it lately. Um, so yeah, we're starting to approach the more technical side of things, starting to use sort of mechanical exploits and stuff to get what we want. It's a, it's a good time. It's nice to be here. Let's move on into the news, though, because we've talked long enough about our stuff. We want to talk about the stuff that Minecraft has now announced at Minecraft Live 2023. There is, as usual, a recap article on Minecraft.net that kind of summarizes the major announcements that happened, but we'll do our best to do that for you here. Minecraft Live was streamed to YouTube on October 15th, 2023. The VOD of that is up on Minecraft's own YouTube channel, and the VOD of our reactions as we presented them live to everybody will also be up on the Spawn Chunks YouTube channel and it'll also be on my twitch page for the next 60 days if you want to watch the vod there with the live chat along with it but the main things that we're going to cover are that minecraft 1.21 features have been announced the live show showed us some trial chambers which are new multi-room procedurally generated structures players will progress through until they reach a trial spawner and they are built from a palette which includes new copper blocks and tough blocks the new copper blocks include copper grates, doors, trapdoors, and an unnamed chiseled-looking block, which all appear in the trial chambers. Copper bulbs also appear throughout, and these give off a higher light level if they are fresh copper, but the light dims as the copper becomes more oxidized. There are a new variety of tough blocks appearing in these areas, including polished tough, which has walls, tough bricks, which has slabs and stairs, and the presumably chiseled tough brick that has a kind of wavy lasagna kind of pattern along the bottom of it. I've seen people calling it tough lasagna, and that's my, my headcanon name for it until we get an official one. Uh, the trial spawners are also present here. Unlike a regular dungeon spawner, these generate a limited number of mobs to create a challenging encounter. These adapt based on the number of players that show up to fight, so they can potentially generate more if there are more players around. And the decorations around the spawners hint at what mobs they might spawn. So packed ice might indicate strays, while moss indicates slimes, and so on and so forth. Also appearing in these trial chambers, we saw the Breeze, a new mob similar to the Blaze but with more of a wind elemental vibe. It attacks by firing a wind charge which deals direct damage uh, on impact or if it misses it creates a blast of wind which knocks entities around. Wind charges can also affect some blocks. We saw them opening trapdoors and switching levers on and off and other redstone components were mentioned as well. Speaking of redstone components, though, we got a look at the crafter, which is a configurable auto crafter activated using redstone power. The slots of its 3x3 crafting interface can be enabled or disabled to create recipes of different shapes. Items are then input manually or added using a hopper, and once it receives a redstone pulse, the item is crafted and automatically ejected. Those were the major announcements for 1.21. Game director Agnes Larson, who we know as Lady Agnes, confirmed that snapshots with these features should arrive in the next few weeks. 
In addition to that, we also got the 2023 mob vote where the Armadillo was crowned the winner. And over on Twitter, Minecraft released some stats about the mob vote. We'll have a link to the tweet in our show notes if you're interested in that. Over 5 million votes ended up being cast, with the Armadillo winning 42.3% of the vote. The Crab came second with 32.5%, and the Penguin came last with 25.2%. Uh, Vubui was on stage presenting all of this information and he was quick to remind everybody that while the penguin was the first to go, it might also show up at some point in future and that none of these mob vote candidates are discarded anymore as they were in the 2017 mob vote. We also got an update from Minecraft Legends. The design director Craig Lee recapped the changes from their August update and announced upcoming features like witches for the hero side, clanger mobs and air chopper structures for the piglin faction, and a frog mount for players to ride. We got a bit of a look at upcoming Bedrock Edition DLC, which includes a collaboration with Star Wars, making Star Wars Path of the Jedi, and Planet Earth 3 in collaboration with Minecraft Education Edition and BBC Earth. Minecraft passed 300 million copies sold and is currently gearing up for its 15-year anniversary, and they said that 2024 is going to be a big year for Minecraft with more stuff due to be announced as the year goes on. And some other short segments of Minecraft Live included a spotlight on marketplace creators, a Lego building challenge featuring a Minecraft content creator and a Lego builder working from the same building prompts but making things that ended up a little different, an animated short featuring the sniffer from the Element Animations studio, and a surprise performance from singer-songwriter Alec Benjamin who performed a Minecraftified version of one of his original songs. Last week, on October 11th, we received the Minecraft Java Edition Snapshot 2341A. Snapshot Realms are in this snapshot. In the pre-release and release candidate versions, as well as snapshots, they will all now be playable in Realms. The version of the last played world on a realm is displayed on the realm list. Experimental features are available in newly created worlds. Changes in Snapshot 23W41A, decorated pots. Decorated pots can now store up to a single stack of items. Hoppers, hopper minecarts, and droppers can now insert and or extract items from decorated pots. Comparators can now read the number of items in decorated pots. Players can interact with decorated pots to insert items into them. Decorated pots have no GUI and need to be broken to receive or discover their contents. Player interactions will, with decorated pots can cause the decorated pot to wobble and trigger a vibration frequency of 11. Decorated pots can be smashed by projectiles, which can cause them to shatter and drop their contents. Decorated pots now have a stack of 64 in the player inventory. Technical changes in Snapshot 23W41A. The data pack version is now 20. The name of non-living entities will now be shown if looked at and a parameter custom name is set, or always displayed if a parameter custom name visible is set, similar to living entities. Additional information about technical changes and bug fixes are available in the Minecraft.net article linked in our show notes. So of course we're going to save the big announcements, the vanilla Minecraft 1.21 and mob vote results for our main discussion, but we figure everything else is kind of fair game for discussing the news here. I sort of want to give our overall impressions of Minecraft Live as well, because I think as we were watching it, we realized that the whole thing was taking place in this sort of augmented reality visual where they were walking through the Minecraft world. I sort of said it was uh, reminding me of Minecraft Earth a little bit, and I saw some folks compare it to the 
Apple presentations, which I haven't seen, but yeah, it seems to be uh, like an immersive digital environment seems to be the, the way that some of these presentations have happened lately. And I thought the production this year was pretty slick. How did you feel about it, Joel? I like the presentation. Uh, you are right in that I have seen some Apple presentations and it's very, very similar. And it reminds me, I don't think it's quite as extensive as the volume that Disney uses for shows like uh, The Mandalorian and Ahsoka and whatnot. But it's that similar vibe where there's obviously some sort of like augmented projection or something like I don't necessarily know if it's uh, all green screen because like the, the people have to be walking on something and there were a combination of like real set pieces, but the colors match very, very well. I really liked the effect of having animation. They used a lot of the cherry blossom leaves falling from cherry uh, leaves um, in the background. They had fire flickering, you know, water animation, that kind of stuff. And I think that that kind of went a long way for that sense of immersion, uh, in particularly the depth that they were able to achieve when Agnes was talking with Lydia um, and, and they were uh, sitting in the cave and there was like another portal in the background and that was animated. And, and you, you knew like there was some set pieces around them, but it didn't go back that far. And I, I thought it was just really interesting. It wasn't distracting, but it was just like that moment of like, oh, OK, this is really this is really cool. And I imagine that that saves a lot compared to like trying to construct the physical sets that we've seen in previous years where they're obviously on a soundstage and there's just a lot of physical Minecraft looking things around. And I imagine that this gave them a lot more flexibility and they had some fun with it. You know, uh, Lydia and, and Jens and, and minecarts <laughs> going along in different yeah, tracks yeah. and stuff like that. Um, that was that was kind of fun. Uh, I, I like that the presentation was short as well. Uh, I think that one of the things that is a benefit to the nature in which they're delivering the information of Minecraft Live now, which is they're showing you some of the things that they're planning for the new announcement, but not everything. And they're kind of giving you a theme that will unfold over the next, you know, several months as they release snapshots and develop with feedback from the community, which I think is a great way to develop. But also it means that they're not trying to cram the entire update's worth of information into a single presentation. So we were, the, the full presentation from Mojang was like 50 minutes, five zero, uh, which is much shorter than we've had previously. And, and I think that that's a strength because I think that it gives a solid amount, you're not overwhelmed, uh, and we still have a lot to talk about. So I, I, I really like that aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it was a short and sweet show. Um, and I think a lot of us were surprised when it was over. <laughs> I've definitely gone, yeah. I've gone back and watched a couple of other people's sort of live reaction VODs. And there were definitely a couple of them who were like, was that it? Are, are we done? Is is it good? Like, I was expecting it to be longer. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's also clearer than ever that they're pitching some of this stuff at younger players and families. And not only does that mean the... The presentational style is a lot more like, you know, kids TV presenting. It's like, hey, kids, you know, we're going on an adventure kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's it's also like keeping it short so that the attention can be kept for, for long enough. Obviously, you know, kids are going to be eating up Minecraft stuff, but there's some stuff where they're going to tune out. Um, so it, it makes sense to, as they've done in previous years, keep the mob vote announcements coming every, you know, five to ten minutes just to make sure that they're checking in throughout the show. Uh, remember that thing you all voted for stay tuned and then the the big announcements coming towards the end makes sense um i if anything i was sort of surprised they didn't have any kind of shout out to minecraft dungeons because we learned recently that development on that had right. ended and they weren't really planning on 
doing any more updates to it, but I kind of thought maybe they give it like a good send-off here or something, but maybe with the team already having moved on to other projects at Mojang or potentially elsewhere, it might have felt weird or maybe kind of shifted the tone to acknowledge the the, the kind of sunsetting of Dungeon's development. Uh, so it, it made sense that they didn't throw to that and uh, kept everything kind of short and sweet this year. I'm still kind of put off by the real condescending presentation in some aspects of it. I know that there's a huge amount of kids. Like, I mean, the, the stats that they have for Minecraft is is staggering. Like, it's just, it's mind-blowing how many people play this game. And I understand that the podcasting community and the streaming community and like that, that all skews older. But I still feel like the community is is... I say old enough that they don't have to go Sesame Street presentation with it. Like <laughs> sure, I feel like you yeah. can, I, th I think you can still do something that's like Disney after school, but not have it be aimed at like, it felt like four-year-olds. Like it really, it, cause I feel it, it, I noticed it in the live presentation because I feel silly sitting there watching it. And I'm just like, man, this feels really awkward. And I understand that's me and I'm not a kid and I don't, I don't even have kids to kind of like know where they're falling in terms of kids entertainment. Like I don't watch any kids YouTube, like I don't know. Right. But I, I do, I do wish they could speed some of that up because I feel like some of the information with the mob vote, like they really, dr they dragged that out. I'm, I'm cool with obviously putting it farther into the presentation because yeah, you want to keep people in tuned in and, and you want to them to stay through the whole thing not just look at the mob vote and then tune out and go do something else right but i feel like even the presentation of the results was like it was five minutes or more when it could have been just a few you know and it just it felt like it kind of went on for a little bit but other than that i i really liked you know, anytime we have the devs talking about stuff um i think it's a great opportunity for and i mean we'll get into this later but i'm pretty sure and I'd love to hear from anybody at Mojang that can can confirm this. I feel like the people that were talking about the different features as we did the little conversations going on were the people that were the ones that worked on them. Yeah. Either as a team lead or as part of the team or something like they just felt like it wasn't just the usual crew. It was some new names that I didn't recognize, some familiar names. Uh, and I feel like that it made sense who was talking about what. And I feel like it wasn't just like, oh, we're just going to, if you're comfortable with presenting at Minecraft, we're just going to give this to you to talk about. I feel like, no, 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 this has been your baby for a while. Help us, you know, um, communicate that passion for what you've designed or been working on designing with a team to the people watching Minecraft live. And I picked up on that right away. I think that was a great way to do it. Yeah, yeah, they had a, one of the uh, the art team talking about some of the new blocks, like the tough and copper blocks, um, were being introduced by I think her name was Sarah, who is yeah a uh, an artist on on the team, and so you've got King B Dogs telling you about the trial spawners, and obviously Agnes is kind of taking you through the entire thing because she's like the lead, you know, game development uh, lead for for the game. So it, it yeah the game director. So it's uh, it's it's a super cool way to present it. It's all happening in game, so you're not sort of being told about this almost secondhand. You're being shown it, um, which is which is great. Um, yeah, I, I think the other stuff we saw, stuff like you know, it's good to hear from the Minecraft Legends team. Um, I, I've moved on from that game, and I know you have as well. But I hope people are still having fun playing it. And it seems like they've been listening to players, like they were saying on stage. They've made some some worthwhile updates, both under the hood and 
introducing new mobs i sort of compared it to when you get an expansion for an rts game like starcraft in the past where they add a couple of new units and it changes the balance a little bit gives you more options makes things feel a bit more agile and if they plan on doing that going forward with legends i can see it breathing a bit of new life into the game that might have gotten stale for some folks and i think that any kind of external um i shouldn't say external any kind of property that's outside of the vanilla minecraft experience as long as it's continuing to be developed and and it's having new ideas flush into it i just look at it like what could that inspire in minecraft right so uh, anything like a, a high tide raises all boats right in in terms of the minecraft ecosystem so i think that having a place to experiment with those kind of ideas and see what's happening and see what sticks and seeing how long that game lasts in the same way that minecraft dungeons did um i think that ultimately I mean, the the Mojang team that works on Minecraft is looking at that stuff and you never know what might inspire some new feature or some new area, you know, all that kind of stuff. I, I think that that's important. The other inspiring stuff we've got uh, comes in the form of the DLC, actually. You look at some of the stuff they've done for Star Wars Path of the Jedi, some of the kind of like Jedi Temple builds that are in there, and even the landscapes. The, the, the thing that I love the most from the looking at the Bedrock DLCs was the landscapes they put into Planet Earth 3. I think those look pretty slick. Um, the thing that made me laugh in the, the Star Wars uh, trailer was the um, the, there's one very brief shot of a, a, a ship flying towards a planet. And of course, the planet's a cube. <laughs> it's not like a, a spherical kind of planet. It's it's, it's like a, a, a Minecraft cube just kind of tilted at a funny angle. And I just thought that that was had Lego Star Wars energy for me. It was the kind of thing that was just like a, a funny little in-joke when the rest of it seemed to be played pretty straight. So I think that's, that's kind of fun. You nailed it. The, I didn't know how to articulate it until just now. I mean, I'm a Star Wars fan. 100%. And I liked what I saw. I don't play the DLC stuff for Bedrock just because I usually don't have time and they're usually not of any real interest. This is, I'm curious, like I, I might look into seeing what this could, could be like, uh, just to kind of play it on the PC and just kind of walk around and see it. Cause I just, I like the Star Wars aesthetic and to see how they handle that in Minecraft could be really, really interesting. I know in particular, we were talking about like the shapes of the the heads of the NPCs because they've all got different alien shaped heads and how they have to do that in Minecraft with like, you know, um, head tails and cone heads and like all that kind of stuff. Um, the resolution is a little bit different. Obviously, lightsabers look very cool, but the Lego Star Wars vibe is real. And that's the appeal. That's 100% the vibe I get from it. I'm assuming it's going to be in the realm of that kind of silliness because uh, the Star Wars Lego games can be very funny. Mm -hmm. They really kind of ham it up which is great. So yeah, that like, it, it's cool to see that kind of stuff. I also noticed uh, on the launcher just the other day, which I hadn't been paying attention to, I did watch the the recent Ninja Turtles movie and there's a Ninja Turtles DLC out right now yeah. mm -hmm. um, for, for Minecraft. So um, there's lots of stuff to do. If, if, you know, if it's, if Minecraft is more of an adventure game for you and not a building game, or you are a builder and you want some inspiration and you're just kind of stuck, then like maybe checking out some of these DLCs would be a good way to go. Yeah, could well be. Uh, in the meantime, if you're a vanilla Minecraft player and you want something to do right now, you can check out the new snapshot because, honestly, the decorated pot change is really exciting. They're now piggy banks. <laughs> and uh, I, I kind of, you know, I think a lot of people were expecting this to happen with decorated pots during development but had sort of dismissed it at this point thinking you know we're probably not going to get that it seems like a bit of a stretch for the functionality they want to add to these things and now in the 
snapshot for 1.20.3, I guess it's going to be, right? Um, they've added the ability to put items in pots up to a stack of a single item. Um, it can't be a mix of items, so you're not looking at something like the bundle. It's got its own functionality. But yeah, you have a smashable, uh, you know, storage system. It doesn't have any GUI or anything. You literally just put items in it and then when you want to get them you smash it with a, a sword or a, you shoot it from a distance you can I think even throw eggs at it or whatever to break it with a projectile and then you get all of the sherds or the uh, bricks that you've used to create the pot back as well as the contents um, and this seems like a feature they were maybe undecided on when the pots arrived or maybe it was more complicated to implement and it was going to take them a while but they figured it was worth the effort and they've gone ahead and done it and everybody who you know loves the zelda franchise has seen these pots in minecraft dungeons that you get emeralds out of is just breathing a sigh of relief and and applauding for this change i think it's a really good one i agree i think it's great i uh, i think that one of the things that always drives me nuts about putting any kind of redstone contraption together where you need to have an item with an uh, or a, an inventory block that you know you have to fill up with items for a certain redstone signal and to have something that can only have a single stack that you know is very straightforward and you just you know count out the stack in your inventory and put it in you know like it and it's fairly quick i watched an exumavoid video where um he was putting things in as fast as he could holding down the button was fast but like spam clicking the button like he went through a stack super fast mm -hmm. to yeah. put it inside so you could set up if you had to do like a repetitive task and like fill up several of these with like you know 23 items over and over and over again it really wouldn't take you that long uh, i think the only challenge of course is like remembering what's in it right is is um is going to be the tricky part if you need to um, but you could do other things like you know putting a sign on it, uh, putting it on top of a different block, you know, like the one on the cobblestone, it's got 12, the one on the concrete has got 45, like whatever you want to do. Uh, there could be some stuff there, but I like the idea, the aspect of being able to put items into them, uh, via, um, hopper and, and remove items via hopper and, uh, hopper, um, minecarts and stuff is great it opens up all kinds of mini games. The only thing I'm curious about, because they do hold items, you probably can't um, you probably can't move them. Uh, I've not tried to move a pot with a sticky piston at all. So I don't know if it's possible to like, let's say you had like a, like a fair game, like a fairgrounds game where you're like, you're shooting pots with a bow and arrow. And as they've been broken and you've received the loot from them, could you then reset that automatically or would the pots have to be manually placed back right i believe like they break and drop if they're pushed by a piston so the pot itself drops as an item instead of breaking down into its component parts um right but then but the, you can't place the it right. the contents like end up spilling out yeah so yes yeah but 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 the pot is whole but then how like could, is there a way to audit you can't dispense a you pot, can't dispense it no yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so just so there's like things like that that are potential but like it could be something as simple as like if you had two rooms and while the player moves on to room number two you reset room number one that kind of thing if you wanted to do a mini game i just i like the idea that it opens up things like that you could um surprise players on multiplayer servers by leaving gifts in their base like is it a pot full of garbage or is it a pot full of a stack of diamond blocks like who knows right mm -hmm. and i think that that that's kind of fun 
you can imagine uh you know folks who design mini games like everyone's obviously talking about decked out in hermitcraft right now you can imagine these pots sort of filling up with different resources and if you choose to break one then that means you're not going to get anything else in that pot for the rest of the game so you can be kind of tactical about when you break them to receive more treasure or more items or whatever maybe even if you uh, add arrows to the pot using dispensers then that's ammunition but then once you break the pot on top of the dispenser the dispenser starts firing arrows at you so you've got to be yeah. kind of tactical about that there's there's so many fun ways that you can use systems like this um it it seems like they would be the ideal inclusion in item filters if they were able to push and pull items but they don't have hopper behavior you can feed stuff in using a hopper and detect the contents via a comparator but then there's no way of pulling that in from a hopper line that's running over the top so you can't really use them yeah. for for item filters so much but it's a um a pretty neat like addition to an existing item and it's really nice that they're still considering revising these features a few micro updates into 1.20 this is not how they function right now, but you could probably set this up. If there was a bucket of lava in the in the pot and you broke it and the bucket of lava would, instead of just dropping as an item, would then dispense the lava and have that kind of be like a hazard. It you know, like spills, You think you're getting yeah. a prize and it spills. <laughs> but if you had the pot up against the wall and the pot was hiding a dispenser with a bucket of lava in it and the pot was sitting on an observer which you wouldn't be able to see because it would be hiding it right you could potentially have the pot breaking trigger the the observer and yeah. then just dispense i mean it would be a slight delay and you probably would lose the pot but you would still have the effect of i broke the pot and lava came out you know mm -hmm. like so there's things like that that i think are really really interesting i love that you can break them with projectiles like that to me just opens up all kinds of ideas right yeah, and you can pr break them with projectiles that weren't fired by a player. So you could even have a dispenser from across the room fire at a pot, trigger that, you know, observer trap. And if a player hadn't done it, then, you know, they're still going to get flooded with lava for this escape sequence that you're planning or something. Like you can use it as set dressing and it can have a lot more functionality than you uh, at first imagine. Speaking of which, um, the decorated pots also appear in the trial chambers structure that they showed off at Minecraft Live. So. Uh, that seems like a good way to transition into talking about Minecraft 1.21. We do have a couple of listener emails that are going to be folded into the main discussion, so don't feel like we're skipping over the community emails that we've received. We are going to get to a couple of those when we talk about their individual subjects. But we've learned about Trial Chambers and Spawners, uh, the new Breeze mob, new Tough and Copper Blocks, including the Copper Bulb, and also the Crafter. So uh, let's start with our first impressions of Trial Chambers. I feel like we're seeing some of the fruits of the labor put into systems like the Piglin Bastions and the Trail Ruins in the Trial Chambers. They they feel like, cool, now that we've got this system in place where we can have um, procedurally generated structures underground in various different pieces that can be then um, put together in random ways within a certain set of guidelines, we can expand on that and use that to update and create new experiences for players and that to me was very obvious and i think it's great yeah and i i'm i'm actually kind of surprised at the comparison to stuff like bastions because the aesthetic is very different and if you think about a lot of the recent structures they've added oh, sure. like aesthetically they've been ruins like think about you know ocean ruins and shipwrecks through to bastion remnants in the nether update ancient cities in the wild update 
And it's kind of unusual, actually, to see, like, a new buried structure in such good condition. But, like, yeah, mechanically speaking, being able to chain together a series of rooms like this, sort of similar to a stronghold in a way, and so it's kind of harkening back to stronghold generation a bit whilst also updating and modernizing it. And they didn't really say it as such in the live show, but the way I've been thinking about this is this is the update to spawner dungeon rooms that we've been looking for. Um, you know, they're not going to replace the dungeon spawners that you find, you know, creeper or skeleton spawners or whatever in. They're not creeper spawners. There are no creeper spawners. What am I talking about? Uh, zombie and skeleton and, and spider spawners. But, um, you know, you're going to find them housing these new trial spawners. And whenever people add like a mod to the game that introduces dungeons with multiple spawners in, they feel like this. They have that kind of multi-room, you know, you're searching through corridors, maybe there's a couple of chests here and there, maybe some stuff jumps out at you, there are more like set pieces within it. Um, and it feels like what they said on stage was, we are, you know, trying to reimagine the early game experience from back in the day when it was really exciting to find a dungeon with the mossy cobblestone everywhere and stuff and they're taking that forward into the modern game of minecraft and trying to recapture that in a similar way that the warden was introduced to try and recapture the feeling of surviving your first night with the darkness all around and not knowing what was out there and so i think it's really interesting that these are fueled by nostalgic feelings about minecraft's past whilst also trying to bring it forward into uh into the future and it's funny, still not being used to tough and copper blocks in the game because I don't build with them that much. I guess I use tough about a lot, but I current I use the current version of tough. Mm -hmm. And when they get into showing you these rooms, you're like, oh right, this is this is not. I mean, like sure, there's some new textures, but like the copper block and the tough block in general are not brand new to Minecraft. Yeah. And when you see these structures, you're just like, it should feel familiar because these have been in the game for a little while, right? But it still feels really new. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a cool strength where like it feels familiar, but it feels new all at the same time. And it's a, it's a different aesthetic than the way other structures are built, which kind of, you know, might give the folks who are deep diving lore in Minecraft something to grab hold of. of like, you know, this clearly wasn't built by the same people who built ancient cities because the aesthetic is different. Um, but it seems like it's going to be in similar regions of the world. Like it seems like it's going to be like lower down in the world maybe in deep slate levels right like the i think you very briefly see it it's a fairly self-contained structure but when lady agnes first enters this trial chamber it seems like there's a deep slate like a natural deep slate wall behind her so the implication is that you're going to be finding these deeper underground i i would imagine so i mean i feel like that's an area in the world right now that could use a little extra something to discover and i feel like the sense of discovering it and keeping your eyes peeled for like a hint of copper or a hint of that tough block you know in and amongst the gray deep slate would be more rewarding than very easily spotting one of these things sticking out of a regular stone patch right like i mean mm -hmm. it would stick out like a sore thumb uh in the same way that a trail ruin sticks out of the grass and you're like oh there's something here you know and that's only the tip of it but i feel like with this if you're going through your deep slate caves and passageways and stuff and you happen to see a little bit of copper sticking out i think you'd get very excited like oh this is going to be really cool because i'm i'm in a deep part of the world where there's all kinds of space this could be huge who knows what's going to be in here right and i think that that's that would fuel the sense of discovery by having it blend in better with a surrounding deep slate 
Yeah, yeah. And we, we've seen a few of the internal structures already. Uh, they highlighted one that was basically just like a corridor that was maybe your introduction to the area. It even has a few basic traps in there, kind of jungle temple stuff. You know, there's tripwires and arrow dispensers. I am yep. curious if there's anything more deadly in there that they just weren't showing us parkour over lava kind of situations or or what but yeah like i feel like the the trial aspect to it has to appeal to players of all ages and so you know you're going to find some younger players who are pretty skilled at parkour but maybe you know don't want to solve the puzzles quite the same way and just going to knock through the wall or whatever um they didn't mention anything at all about you not being able to alter these dungeons which kind of gives the impression that not only are you going to be able to modify the environment and skip through sections and you know create shortcuts and stuff but if you are planning on just doing this and clearing out and you're on a multiplayer server then you can effectively leave those shortcuts and other things for other players you know you could you could leave a sign saying hey go this way not that way if you want to get to the spawner room or whatever and mm -hmm. you can effectively help people through the next run of the dungeon i wonder if there will be any kind of mechanic and they did not show this at all or hint at this at all. But I, it reminds me of the mining fatigue that you get in an ocean monument, right? And and it means that you have to travel through that monument mostly without breaking through walls. Yeah. Because uh, it just becomes a problem. I wonder if there would be something like that that you that would be um, that would be in these. Or I guess later on to add an extra challenge. If you transported a, a guard, like a, an elder <laughs> you, guardian. You put it there yourself, yeah. Yeah, you put it there yourself. So players on the server come in and they can't break through walls because you've you've re removed their ability to do so. That could be interesting as well. And you add more obstacles. Instead of making it easier for them, you make it harder. You like modify this to be your own death yeah. trap. Yeah. <laughs> put those trapdoors over a lava pit and right? instead of just you know instead of a two block drop have it be like if you're on here you're done <laughs> you know yeah. like if those open up good luck yes yes um there are still like supply chests and stuff in these as well um which i'm gonna presume contain you know food maybe weapons and armor like iron armor or something like that like we saw them wearing in the in the presentation because i i like the idea of players finding these and imagining a challenge where if it's a fresh run through you know you know that nobody else has uh, excavated one of these before and has you know already taken all of the loot um you could dump all of your equipment in an ender chest outside and try going through the trial chamber just scavenging what you can from the environment uh, and i think that's a really cool idea like running it without your own equipment uh for a bit of an extra pve challenge could be a fun way of approaching these because Otherwise, you know, what are you going to do with, you know, finding a stone axe in a chest or something like that? Most of the time, nothing. But if you treat these almost as little mini adventure maps that you don't have to download that are already kind of pre-existing in your world, then right. you can you can do stuff like that. I imagine most people won't do that, but some people might just for the sake of the challenge. And, you know, alternatively, maybe you pay it forward. You know, you leave a diamond axe in a chest for the next adventurer that you've got from some diamonds that you mine just outside. And, you know, you can, you can again, make it a little easier for them next time or add loot for people who are coming through. And, uh, yeah, create this sort of self-sustaining dungeon experience instead of just looting the entire thing and leaving it. We talk a lot about the idea of the game kind of guiding the player in game without the player having to watch youtube videos or look things up online and i i think having an axe in that chest at the bare minimum would be like a hint as to like this is the tool you're kind of want to use or this is one of the tools you're going to want to use in this area to hint at you know 
using them on the, the, the copper bulbs to um, increase the light level as you travel through and being able to, you know, remove oxidation on certain things. And like, I think that's a, a solid expectation uh, in that it would kind of give the player the hint as to what they have to do. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about those, the copper bulbs. Uh, they're a new light source block. They have a variable light level through different stages of oxidation, which is like a really unique approach. The fresh ones look like they give off probably full like redstone lamp light level. Um, but then as they age, they dim. And it seems to be a jump of several light levels up to the point where they're barely lighting up the environment at all. Um, and then you can scrape the oxidation off. You can presumably wax them to leave them at different levels and uh one thing that i know about these and i am allowed to share um but i don't think got mentioned in the live show is that copper bulbs are going to be toggled by redstone input uh so they don't have to remain powered unlike redstone lamps that require constant redstone power um so these are going to be able to be switched on and off with a button press and while that's one thing that's cool for lighting, it also has the added bonus of being a very compact uh, T flip-flop for redstone circuits. So you want something that's going to, you know, switch on and then switch off and have two toggleable states like that with one redstone input, that's a copper bulb. You can do it with those. And so I think that's a, a really neat way of introducing something like that to make a bit of redstone quality of life improvement at the same time as adding an aesthetic block, a lighting block, additional uses for copper, so much stuff. Like it's it's a really cool idea. I love that. I think that's a great way to get in like a double um a double use for the block. And I uh we were just speaking on the podcast uh, over the last several weeks about the desire for lanterns in the game to have multiple light levels. I was thinking about powering them with candles and like the more candles that you put in, the brighter it would get. And this is just that sort of idea in mechanic, right clicking on a block in reverse. You know, mm -hmm. you're you're stripping away the oxidation that is blocking the light from this light source and it gets brighter as, or a dim, yeah, it gets brighter as you strip off more. Um, I, it's just, it's, it's really neat how that lines up with what we've been talking about. And I love the idea of being able to control light in the game that way. We previously have been able to do it with torches that have different light levels, blocks that have different light levels, but now we have a single block that we can control. I think the only limitation here is that you have to want to use it in a place where either an oxidized block or a copper looking block is going to be the right, the color that you want. So like mm -hmm. it's, it's not going to go everywhere. Uh, but as we saw in the presentation, they do look pretty slick in villages. You know, like if you have them on a fence post or, you know, whatever, uh, they, they do look like they match with like oak wood and cobble and things like that pretty well. And I'm I'm curious, I don't remember off the top of my head how long oxidation takes, but if you don't have them hooked up to any kind of redstone, then like if you had them at full power, how long would it take for it to go completely like down to dim? Like you wouldn't have to do it like every single Minecraft day. Right. Because I from what I remember, copper takes a long time to oxidize. It's one of the things that I think people complain about is how long it takes to actually go from copper to oxidize copper. And if you if you have a, a light source like this in your early game and you have them stripped down so that they're bright, 
you're not going to have to run around and do it every 10 minutes. You know, like it's going to be a while before you go, oh, my street lamp is out. I'll just walk over and hit it three times with my axe and off we go, you know? Yeah, or, or you can wax it if you want to stay, uh, keep it at that oh, stage, right. but also yes, like, yeah. The, well, if you don't have wax early on. Then. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, the, and there's, there's still like a lot that can be done with that. And you can leave that stuff to to age naturally over time to get the dim atmospheric lighting. I think there's the, the amount of flexibility in that is going to be really cool um so so those are those are really exciting and i think the redstone community is going to have a lot of fun with them just as the building community is um but then moving into these trial chambers a little further you end up with the trial spawners which are kind of distinct looking from pre-existing spawners they have a solid top to them with a, a kind of aperture in the top that dispenses rewards once you've taken out all of the uh mobs that it spawns it kind of maybe like the lights around the outside sort of dim as it goes and then it, it kind of burns itself out and, and switches off at which point in the video it gave out a couple of emeralds and a diamond for the two players who ran in and uh, dealt with all of the strays so i'm i'm kind of wondering if those rewards are just placeholders in a similar way to like when they first showed up archaeology they were like digging up diamond blocks and stuff right um I'm kind of wondering how varied the rewards are going to be. Is it always going to be precious items? Could we be getting enchanted books or, you know, weapons or armor? Are we going to get cake? Are we going to get armor trims from this? You know, there's there's a couple of potential items that could be really rewarding, or it could just be, you know, a little top up to the resources that you maybe spent getting here in the first place, like diamonds and whatnot. I like the way that they look. Uh, I think that the copper accents that I want to say glow in the dark, but they just they basically don't seem like they're affected by light. So you can identify one, how many of these trial spawners there are uh, and and two, whether or not it's functional from a distance in the dark, which I think is is good uh, and instantly distinguishable from a regular spawner. So you're not confused as to what kind of room you're in, which I think is is cool. I'm really curious about the redstone community and what they might do with these once they make their way into snapshots because i'm curious about like all that technical stuff like spawn rates and do you should you treat them like a regular spawner and then like make like a drop zone and then like ferry off the the mobs into an area doesn't matter is the cooldown going to be too long to bother with all that work because ultimately it's just not going to be fast enough for you to really get anything out of it if you want to turn it into a farm um obviously we've already talked about like the idea of like sharing the experience with server mates and like mm -hmm. having having all that stuff happen and i think that's cool um i didn't quite see in the video uh it was too dark for me to really see the the ice blocks that king big dog spotted and said oh this is going to be a stray spawner it's like I, how do you know that <laughs> like i just you know outside of being the developer so it'll be curious to see in game if they're lit enough that you can go oh yes i can absolutely see you know, a sand block, which means we're going to be getting uh, husks, you know, or yeah. ice blocks. We're going to get strays. Like I, if you can see that clearly, then sure, uh, that'll be good to know. And I mean, that could be interesting because if you're far enough away, you know, like you want to craft a shield if you know that it's going to be skeletons or strays, right? If, if it's not, then like you don't necessarily need a shield. You can just go in. Um, I don't want to know what happens if it spawns creepers. Like that could <laughs> be very challenging. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to say. Um Something that I don't know if they mentioned in the presentation, but I believe that this is something that I caught on Exumavoid's uh, summary, which is also a very good video that I think people should check out, that the trial spawners are controlled by NBT data, which means that they could be changed and uh, used with data packs uh, or in uh, the creation of like um, 
not DLC, but um, like challenge maps and stuff map, like that. Yeah, challenge maps and things like that. And so, if someone was disappointed that the trial, the uh, the trial spawner cooldown was far, far too long for what they wanted, you could use a data pack to say just make the 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 delay much shorter and have it function more like a regular spawner if you wanted to try and have some fun with these and and treat them in the same way that and make a farm out of them. So there's potential if it's not in the vanilla version of them, there's potential for them to be tweaked and maybe uh, useful on. I'm thinking about like those big redstone servers where every, they want to like min-max everything and kind of have some fun with that kind of gameplay. So it's possible if you want to go in the data back realm, it sounds like. Yeah, and, and it, it seems like the kind of thing that map makers are going to have a field day with. Like you can effectively hmm. create an encounter at the end of a certain area you could even hide these things in the wall and then you know have them trigger a door when they burn out or something like that to allow somebody through to the next area um totally there's some more information coming through about these that they are explosion proof so you don't have to worry about the creepers destroying it if it spawns creepers but uh, you might need to worry about the integrity of the the room around you um and yeah they're affected by how many players are around not stuff like local difficulty or you know the the other kind of stuff that affects natural mob spawning um so you're going to end up with potentially like an entire group of players running in if you want to farm it effectively and it's going to scale the amount of stuff it spawns based on how many players are there then if you're farming it for drops from those mobs then you can all rush in at once and then just gather around and watch through an observation window as all of these strays fall into a lava blade or something right like right. You, can, you can do some some fun stuff with it i'm sure but i i like the fact that it's got a cooldown so it's not something that you can just exploit for diamonds if that's what it's going to give out um it seems like multiple loot tables could be involved behind the scenes so there might be like a a super rare loot table that it rolls on to give you a trident or something who knows um but i think there's a lot of potential to them and the fact that they are kind of the keystone of this experience and a new spawner for the first time in a very very long time is uh yeah really really exciting news so what did you think of the other tough and copper blocks that we saw in the trial chambers well you know me i'm gonna get excited about anything that's made of copper um the first thing that caught my attention was the copper grates which are the sort of mesh looking blocks 100 percent on board with these great idea it reminds me of um like windows from the arab world if you look at like places like morocco and you know countries in the middle east that have like a decorative lattice pattern over windows like you can immediately start building with those and have something similar obviously the color is going to be a challenge for some people to work around with certain build palettes but of course they're going to oxidize like other copper blocks do you're going to find them you know workable i think in in certain situations you know squint at the color and maybe it'll look all right um but yeah like we've got copper doors and trap doors which is super cool trap doors of any kind are always a yes from me um and i'm kind of curious because they showed in the presentation that players were walking through them opening and closing them manually there was a bit of confusion about whether or not you had to have a certain tool in your hand they're all running around carrying axes in the video and the axes aren't stripping the door they're opening the door um and it's weird to me because the only other metal door we have is the iron door and that requires a redstone signal to open and close and so i was wondering if like the copper bulb these could be changed with a redstone pulse but they change state uh so that you know you power it once and it opens you power it a second time and it closes um and i think that'd be a really neat way to add unique functionality to it 
and line it up with the copper bulb for a little bit of uh, consistency mechanically within the material set, but then potentially add some more redstone uses in there and have that be a, a an interesting uh, change for, for those types of doors. Compared to like wooden doors, which you just right-click to open, it seems like they might have just gone ahead and done that mechanic because you know players might find iron doors a little bit clunky in areas like this where they're supposed to be going through a a, a series of trials but i i think there's potential for copper doors and trap doors to have their own redstone interactions um that's that's where i'm at with those the there's chiseled copper blocks inside of here that also look quite neat um and of course you can imagine those all coming in different colors like they, they were obviously in fresh or oxidized copper for the majority of the presentation but they do have the in-between stages because they can't just go straight from regular copper to fully oxidized i imagine and i think anything they add as a copper block is gonna have those four stages for the foreseeable future which adds a lot more to the inventory you know like that's i mean i'm happy for it don't get me wrong but like that's a lot of variations for for trap doors and doors and you know chiseled blocks and things like that within the copper family which is good but it just you know where are you going to put it all yeah i uh i i think that anybody that's building a, a copper roof uh is going to be happy to have some trap doors to help smooth out some of those corners i i use wood trap doors all the time to kind of like get in between stairs and kind of smooth out different angles and things like that whenever they can be used in a way that you can't necessarily see the top um, but you can see the side i feel like they're very very useful in that way i do like a good trap door uh, i also like you know expanding the idea of a door and making it look like a, a wall so like trap doors in, in the same way that you've got the uh the lattice block or what did you call it the copper grate uh those are full blocks that have like a transparency to them but you can vertically stack trap doors and have them look like a thin wall and that could be fun to do with the copper as well uh, especially if you're going to add any kind of gradient you know as they go from oxidation to you know non-oxidized that kind of stuff and i also like the idea of and this is just a mental thing but it's a metal trap door an additional metal trap door so if you wanted to have like a hanging walkway or a catwalk or something like that sometimes when you're made out of wood you're like this feels kind of um flimsy you know, even though mm -hmm. it's sturdy in the game mechanic sense, but to walk across it, you're thinking like, this is wood. Like, I wouldn't do this in real life. Are you kidding me? But like a, a copper metal catwalk or a, um, uh, an iron trapdoor catwalk would, would be more stable. The iron trapdoors don't really look the part, whereas the copper trapdoors look like they are a bit more of that ornate kind of like, um, wrought iron work, even though they're not iron, they're obviously, they're obviously copper. Uh, so I, I like that aspect of them as well. Um, I didn't see how the copper blocks, the new copper blocks will be crafted. I'm assuming they're just going to be in the stone cutter in the same way that you put copper blocks in the stone cutter now to get copper variants out. And I, this is just pure speculation, but I'm wondering if the stone cutter is going to be the right place for crafting metal blocks. If we get more things that we can get out of uh, the ores in Minecraft, could the stone cutter just be renamed to the cutter or would a new crafting block maybe be needed down the line, which would provide cool functionality, could provide a different kind of um, gameplay or, or whatever, or even just like decoration to have something new to place around. But I don't know. I just, I, there's something about like putting copper in the stone cutter for yet more variations of cotter, copper that feels like it's starting to get its its own robust family now that it's been in the game for a while. And I'm wondering if it needs its own crafting system at some point. Yeah, it's, it's curious because 
I think we do still need a stone cutter functionality for copper blocks because the other thing about copper is the oxidation process is really convenient if you start oxidizing one set of blocks and then once they're oxidized you convert those into slabs stairs or whatever and then you don't have to place out twice the amount of materials to oxidize all of your slabs and so if we end up being able to use the stone cutter to get these yeah these mesh lattice uh great blocks then i think those are um th those are going to be really nice to have whereas if you craft them in a crafting table they're always going to be made of something like copper ingots right so right. you're, you're going to end up having to oxidize those separately because you won't be able to start with an oxidized block there are no oxidized copper ingots that you can craft with so you're always right. going to have to start with a, a fresh copper block for that and so that that's that's the kind of interesting dichotomy of like adding more copper stuff to the game is like how is it crafted and where do you put that and so I'm, I'm i'm curious to see what they do but i i have no guesses at this point i presume it's going to be a stone cutter thing um so even with trap doors which i don't think you can craft in a stone cutter using any other material but then all of the other trap doors are wood or the iron trap door which you know doesn't have stone cutter recipes anyway i really like most of the tough blocks that we saw uh we saw stairs and uh there's some i want to call them polished tough blocks they look like polished andesite blocks and we saw some tough walls as well and this was something i was just calling out for on stream the other day i was i was working with different wall variations and i really wish there was a polished andesite wall for the most part all of your like neutral gray stone walls are very cobble andesite you know there's diorite and granite but there's nothing really polished there's nothing really finished until you get into the polished deep slate but that's often too dark for what you might want to use it for mm -hmm. and so having a kind of medium gray it does kind of lean on the green side of things because tough obviously leans on the green side of things uh but i like the look of it i like the kind of subtle texture to it same with the polished uh, tough block that we saw i like the texture of that uh, the more that I think about it and the more that I look at screenshots, the less I like the tough bricks. Yeah. And it comes from the high contrast of the very dark gray grout between them. And it's it the the gray grout almost has no texture. Like the the space between the bricks and stone bricks has some pixelation, like there's some different tones in there, whereas this is just straight dark gray. And it's also, as I mentioned yesterday in our post show, on the the grout is on the top of the block texture as opposed to the bottom and that means that it won't line up with every every other brick that's in the game yeah it connects and, differently right yeah and and i feel like it's going to stand out like a sore thumb so like my first bit of feedback would be like i'm all for a different color brick it's more gray i'm a little grayed out but that's me because i'm in west hill for three years but i really think that it should be adjusted so that even if it is a different color, it's still going to line up and work with some of the other blocks in the game. Because that means it's going to have a different lineup for even things like, um, not chisel blocks, but like, well, I guess chisel blocks have that outline. Any block that has like that outline so that you can see the grid pattern on it, like the copper block or polished andesite, anything like that, you'd want these to try and line up with it. And I don't know that they're going to do that. Yeah, the thing that, the thing that kind of throws me about tough being crafted into this block set is that tough is probably one of the more naturalistic looking stone textures that we have in the vanilla block palette and somehow these bricks and the polished versions look like the most heavily worked 
of all of the stone bricks that we've got because they they look very very polished they look extruded and beveled and they have all of this sort of light highlight to them like they're very shiny feeling even though they are in this sort of darker uh color range so i think it's really interesting that we start with something that looks for all the world to me like dry stone wall or kind of like you know volcanic rock but it turns into something that feels like very deliberately set bricks with very few imperfections to them. And I wonder if that's at all related to how it is working with Tuff in real life, or if it's just, you know, an incidental feature of the way they decided to design these textures and what they wanted players to get out of the block in the first place. In terms of these trial chambers not being ruined it certainly looks like it's well made and would stand the test of time i guess uh but it's it's kind of curious to me what they've decided to do with the the appearance of it compared to the tough block that we're all used to working with by now so one thing that i just realized is that you said that they look very polished it could be that these are polished tough bricks yeah and maybe there are tough bricks you know what I mean? In the same Maybe, way that yeah. Deep Slate is, Deep Slate has got what, like three or four different versions when you start getting it into stairs and slabs and bricks. And there's like right? polished brick and tile and like tile black, and... blackstone is kind of the same where it has yeah. that kind of coarse grainy texture even when it's in brick form, but it's definitely yeah. kind of changed up the material that you started with. But like, you know, we didn't see any um, tough stairs, not brick stairs, but tough stairs, tough slabs. You know, like we just saw the bricks and the brick stairs and the walls, right? So I'm wondering if they only showed a few of the potential textures of the family. It's one of those things where I feel like it's really difficult to add some blocks in a stone family to a block like tough and not the others. Cause I think the first thing that players are going to be, is like, where's my slabs? <laughs> like, yeah. Where, you know, where are they? Cause we didn't see any slabs whatsoever that I saw. So like that kind of stuff, I feel like they, they should add, especially because we've got the stone cutter and you know, it's going to be a matter of putting tough in a stone cutter and getting, one like some of these things out of it if that's how it's going to be crafted um but yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to them uh doing that kind of thing i i do also like and i think you do as well the the patterned tough block the one that has like the little squiggle along it yeah I, i'm assuming this is chiseled tough um but i am still going to sure. be calling it lasagna tough for the foreseeable future <laughs> um it's a neat looking block yeah i think it works i think it's good that it has some connectivity with the tough bricks and it'll be curious like mostly i just want to get hands-on experience with these blocks and see them in the light of day because lighting interiors like this for these trial chambers is very different to what they look like out in the world on the surface and um i'm, I'm kind of curious what they look like in full daylight and how they fit in with other blocks but they didn't really show us a full build palette with them that wasn't just related to the trial chambers so i i want to see where i can fit those chiseled tough blocks in and where you know how we can layer this lasagna with other things um and and from there i'll be able to form more of an opinion so it's a good thing that we're hopefully getting snapshots within the next couple of weeks because i'm itching to get my hands on these and try some of them speaking of the new tough and coffer blocks we have an email from trollfaust about the new tough and copper blocks hi johnny and joel since we saw copper and tough blocks that we'll be getting in new variations in Minecraft 1.21, I was wondering if we might also get the copper and tough golems in the update as well. Both types of material have a golem in previous mob votes, and both would fit quite nicely into the tinkering theme of the update. 
It would also make sense for Mojang to bring back mobs that were part of a previous mob vote to remind players that there's always a possibility to bring a mob into Minecraft that didn't win in a mob vote. Troll Faust was blown up by a creeper while tinkering around with the crafter to make a vanilla ME system. I hope you are not too distracted in games by all the new toys that things are blowing up around you. Uh, I think it's a distinct possibility that we may eventually see the tough or the copper golem in Minecraft. I don't think we would see both at once. I think that Mojang would space that out if they decided to add both. I think it would be uh, multiple updates with different focuses and things. Um, I'd be happy to be proven wrong, though, because I think they were both interesting. The tinkering theme mentioned several times in Minecraft Live, uh, to me, lines up more with the copper golem features like doors, trapdoors. Makes me think it would be more than likely to see like a copper golem coming in uh, over tough, if at all. And uh, a copper golem trapdoor randomizer would be silly fun. Just imagining this little guy walking around and like pushing trapdoors and just like opening things and closing things and like whether that's here's a bridge that you have to cross player but I'm gonna just start to drop it <laughs> you know, at random as you go across. I think there could be a lot of fun there. Yeah um this is second-hand information at this point or even third-hand information but I have heard from a couple of creators who've been talking to the Mojang team that they don't have any plans to introduce the copper or the tough golem in this update which yeah is a shame because they've got a lot of copper and tough blocks here and it feels like adding the copper golems to those trial chambers would be a really cool idea you find them as statues you scrape them with the axe and then they help you solve some puzzles like it feels like the perfect set of mechanics for that but if you look at what they're doing with the breeze mob which we'll talk about more in depth in a second that's got a similar functionality to what they were suggesting with the copper golem of it being able to activate redstone components for you and there to be a more kind of living way of interacting with those things. Whereas the copper golem had that sort of calm but random button pushing idea, the breeze is going to be activating redstone components in a more chaotic way using projectiles but one which can be maybe baited a little bit and predicted depending on how you interact with it so there's room for those to appear mechanically as we've seen in previous examples where the great hunger mob from the 2017 mob vote kind of had its functionality repurposed as the grindstone villager workstation there's right. there's like a few things like that where mechanics haven't made it into the game initially with a mob but then they get added to a block or some other kind of mob later um and that's potentially the case even with the mob vote runners up this time around so if you're sad that the crab claw didn't make it in with the crab mob then maybe mojang looks into another way of giving builders an extended block placement reach in future that's the the mechanic is not off the table even if the mob sort of is um so yeah th there's there's a, a lot to be said for the idea of introducing the tough and copper golems along with this update. It feels like it has a lot of synergy, but there is always room for them to be added in future. And if we see these trial chambers being very popular, there is no reason they can't revise them, add additional rooms to the set that can generate later on, and then tough and copper golems show up in 1.22 or something like that. You end up with... Uh, a system like this that can be very easily expanded and sort of in a in the same way that we've mentioned the sniffer being a way that you can 
add new flowers to the game through a different system than just finding them in the wild or new ruined artifacts can be dug up using archaeology in future because the system exists in the game and that can be extended to future additions more easily. I think the same is true of a mechanical thing that's built out procedurally like the uh, the trial chambers. Speaking of the breeze, uh, while we're still really on, I really like the way that it moves around. I think that the whirlwind kind of graphics or the, the part of its um, model that is meant to look like wind whipping around it, the way that they tilt at different angles, kind of like when you bend a spring, like they get closer on one side and farther apart on the other, really helps it look like it's more bendy, more fluid when it moves around in a, in a stiff world made of blocks. It, it felt pretty agile and and fun which i i thought was great because we i i don't recall seeing any other things that have moved like that i think the closest we have is the actual blaze itself with the the rotating rods around the blaze kind of give you a cool kind of floating kind of spiritual vibe to it right whereas this is more like there's a physical force that's whirling around this thing it's not just ro like hovering on its own and i thought that was really interesting it, it felt like not only was the wind something that it was producing but it also felt like part of it like it moved the way that a body would move when when it was flying around which i thought was really really cool um i'd be curious to see if it drops anything the obviously you know the example that i would bring is the blaze rod is very useful for smelting and whatnot and uh can you can use it to to um craft other things as well blaze powder and i think that um having the breeze drop something Maybe it's a breeze rod. Maybe it's a puff of air. Maybe it's whatever the projectile is called that it shoots out. I, it would be neat, but it would be cool if it, there was something that you could get from it that would be unique on its own. And like, I don't know what the spawning mechanics are. Like, do they come from the dungeon, from the trial chamber spawners? Do they come from just in the realm of a chamber? Like, do you have to be in a trial chamber to see them? Uh, like, I'm curious about all that kind of stuff. And especially something we were talking about in the post show yesterday is can you capture them or can you prompt them to attack target area? Or even if it's that, that projectile that we talked about, if you can collect those and use those for other things, you know, uh, being able to push mobs around to blow items around to maybe push players around. We had an idea yesterday that I absolutely loved, which is using these as like an elytra launcher, yeah. you know, where you get, you kind of like have, it like Flintstone style, you kind of have like a little animal in a cage that shoots something at you that <laughs> misses you, but blows you off the side of the cliff. But then you're launching into the air with your elytra without the need to use a rocket or just to have that cool Iron Man like takeoff moment. Like just, there's a whole bunch of potential there. And I just I think they're really interesting. And despite the fact that they look like a blaze in spirit, I still feel like they're very unique for a new mob in Minecraft. Yeah, yeah, no, they're definitely kind of unique. And I think it's honestly surprising it's taken this long to get something with that blaze archetype considering that we already have like four types of zombies two skeletons two spiders two insect if you look at the silverfish and the endermite two slimes you know we even have the vex and the allay now kind of being counterparts of each other the blaze has been around since minecraft 1.0 <laughs> and wow. that's 2011 so it's been 12 years and now we're getting something that's kind of got the same format as the blaze in terms of the way it's designed i, th I think it's it's kind of neat that 
these little corners are almost being filled out by it and it doesn't feel like repetitive design because it's significantly different in the way it behaves in the way it looks um it's got you know the rods that the blaze have but yeah it's just kind of like built a little differently um i do like that it's a combat challenge and something that can affect the environment and there are so much there's so much that both players and the gameplay developers can do with that idea i mean yeah we talked about whether the thing drops like a, a wand that you can use to shoot a gust of wind at something or, or project yourself into the air or if you have to be a little bit more devious about it and move the mob around in order to do that the fact that it can trigger redstone components is really cool because it can do that remotely as well it's not like the copper golden where it would have to walk up and push a specific button it can mm. just fire across the room at you and you can sidestep and kind of like in a, a creeper situation where you're getting a music disc and you're trying to like juke the skeleton into shooting the creeper you you trick this thing into shooting in a certain direction and then you can use that to propel yourself across a ravine or something you know you can you can use that for all sorts of you know mini games survival contraptions loads of stuff that's you know it's it's going to be capable of and all that is packaged in a design which like you said I think works really well they've kind of put some thought into the animations behind it the big eyebrows give it stacks of personality because it automatically looks kind of grumpy um and yeah there's there's some like there's some tornado pokemon that it kind of reminds me of in a weird kind of way um so Mm -hmm. yeah there's there's stuff like that that i think it's it's already got the iconography that makes it kind of a, a, a cool looking mob i don't see anybody really disliking the breeze uh on any grounds so yeah i think that's that's a a fun a fun design for a mob curious like you to see whether it just occurs in the trial chambers or if it pops up elsewhere but yeah really really uh interested to see where that goes speaking of mobs we received the results of the mob vote oh we sure the did armadillo is in <laughs> yes the armadillo is in do you do you want to start with any positive things or do you want to just get the the tear off the band-aid the shovel um, yeah no. tear off the band-aid yeah <laughs> get the shovel ding the armadillo over the head you know sneak <laughs> sneak the crab in in a bag no um we we discussed this in previous weeks and i i voted for the crab you did as well um yeah. i was on the fence about all of these mobs and i think with the crab it came down to whether or not you thought the ability to have a an extended block placement reach was a good idea and i think it was more that that opened up possibilities to explore other aspects of building and how they could be revised and what constitutes like a revision to building which is not game breaking but still feels like a quality of life improvement right and so i'm still happy if they are taking those ideas and you know throwing them back into the big old idea melting pot and seeing what else comes out see if it comes out attached to something that isn't a crab uh, then i'm fine with it right I, I wasn't necessarily all in for the crab as a mob. Um, and so I can see why the armadillo won, because it has that kind of triangle of it's a cute mob, it adds something to the biome, and it adds a feature that a lot of people did want. You and I are not necessarily on that list of people, because uh, we don't really care that much about using wolves in-game, but of course, as I mentioned previously, there are a lot of plus sides to that, players who use wolves frequently are going to find them taking less damage there is the opportunity for customization so that you can give your wolves color-coded collars and you know some nice jumpers if if you can at least dye the armor if not also uh you know have armor trim involved um and so 
I'm I'm kind of fine with it, just on the grounds that I could have taken any of these three mobs and been largely speaking happy with it. Uh, how are you feel? How are you feeling? The giant resounding meh, which is a word I don't yeah. use lately because it's one of my least favorite words. Mm-hmm. But and I'd be happy to have Mojang prove me wrong. You know, I'd be happy to to see the the imaginative thinking caps come on and and something really cool come out of this. But I think that players that voted for the armadillo will ultimately be disappointed. I think it's a cool idea on paper uh, for them. And I think, unfortunately, because it is the mob that we knew the least amount, which is saying something, that the player base that voted for it is more than likely voting for it for what they think they will get. Because the only thing that was promised was wolf armor. That was it. They didn't really say anything else about what like could you dye it could you trim it could you is it going to be useful what level of armor is it going to be iron armor is it going to be leather armor like you just you don't know and i think that the idea even like i my brain goes to little cute sweaters for your dog too but they that's just that's pure speculation and when that probably doesn't happen there's a people that are going to be disappointed and i think it's not going to last nearly as long as as a game feature as as things like the crab or the penguin would right i don't think there's the longevity in the armadillo uh wolf armor thing that there were in the other uh mobs now happy to be proven wrong one of the potential positives is that this could mean some additional updates to the savannah right Mm -hmm. uh armadillos often eat insects things like termites they're going to be in the savannah maybe plunking them in is just not good enough maybe once they do that they're going to say well we're here we should probably add a couple other things to make the armadillo feel at home in the savannah so there could be some some fun things that happen there um i think that they are obviously going to have to revisit something like the scoot because they're different colors as far as i can tell in the little animation unless the brown armadillo drops a green scoot then (laughs) they're going to have to differentiate between turtle scoots and armadillo scoots i you know it's it's you learn new things about words in the in the world all the time from Minecraft, like pottery sherds and all that kind of stuff. So scoot is still even a new phrase for me. I'm not even sure what that is in real life. I'd have to go look that up, uh, but I'm not sure what they're going to do with them. And I, there's a potential if they realize in examining the uses for the armadillo scoot that the turtle scoot is currently underutilized, which could, uh, as they mentioned in Minecraft Live, bring them to revisit old mechanics and improve upon them and bring them forward. So there is potential. Like, I don't want to completely shoot it down. I'm just a little grumpy that it wasn't one of the things that I voted for. And like you, I was on the fence, but I was on the fence between the crab and the penguin. I would have been totally happy with either. I voted for crab because I thought that it brought the most potential to changes in Minecraft, but I would have been totally cool with like a chilly willy speedboat penguin. Totally fine, (laughs) you know? Yeah, Uh, I I think... Honestly, the savanna needs the armadillo more than the mangrove swamp needed the crab. I think that's a, another reason that people will have voted for it, is that the savanna has not had an update since it was added, except maybe the addition of villages and pillager outposts, which obviously came to other biomes as well. They're definitely not a unique savanna thing. Um, sure. So I, so I think like the mangrove swamp still being new, already having frogs and bees if you go that deep in there and uncover the beehives from where they're inevitably swamped in mangrove foliage. There's um, there's some stuff going on in mangroves already, and they feel dense enough that sometimes people want to dip in and explore, and sometimes people just kind of give it a wide berth. Um, but savannas are everywhere in um, 118 terrain. Like I, I find them all over the place when I'm exploring, and so I think it's fair to say that the armadillo being a new addition to savannas is a pretty decent reason to add it 
independently of the wool farmer stuff so that's why i'm not too sore about this even though i voted for something completely different and i am very curious to see if the crab or the penguin return in future or in another form because uh, as as i mentioned during the news read uh, vubui did say explicitly on camera hey the reason that the penguin is out is because the least amount of you voted for it but there's no reason it doesn't ever show up again in future uh so there's there's potentially some some leeway there it's good to know that they're at least addressing that up front um now let's circle back and talk about the big one for me at least um even though i'm very excited about the trial chambers the copper block palette expanding and all that kind of stuff the crafter is a game changer like this is one of the things that i think is going to people are going to look back on this update with the same view that they take to something like the nether update but as far as like the redstone and technical community goes this is their update um it's going to be an essential thing for people who like automation everybody else can ignore it all they want and continue to manually craft things but the crafter basically can turn this game into something more like factorio or satisfactory if you want to play that way you can farm everything you can craft everything a lot of it can be automated and this is one of those things that I don't think it was ever explicitly stated by the team, but I never thought they were going to add something like this to vanilla, and now they've gone ahead and done it. Uh, a few people in our live chat were pointing out that this is similar to a feature in Nembon's carpet mod, and now that Nembon is part of the Mojang team, he's probably had a hand in the development of this. But I think the potential it has for improving automation in the game and giving players more goals to work towards and changing the way technical players assemble farms if they want to feed the output of the farms into these arrays of crafters now there's going to be so many different things that opens up gameplay wise i agree i thought it was a genuine and welcome surprised uh i, I i'm really interested to see how this is going to be used in the community and i uh i took a, a moment to rewatch uh the crafter segment there's a short like 14 minute clip on the minecraft youtube channel and you can see the automated example that they show off while fairly simple has its output directly putting into a barrel i'm assuming that the barrel is collecting the crafted items yes i would have thought that you would have to output into a hopper and then into a barrel but that's cool that you don't have to do that and uh it's going to be really interesting to see with the combination of things like the copper bulb, which we now know can be used as a, as a T flip-flop in a very compact space, how you can have the timing and everything set up for these crafters to get into, as you mentioned, like chains of things, you know, chains of farms combining uh, into new items. Think for example, of having an iron farm and a tree farm. The iron farm, you're just getting ingots and that's fine. You're gonna continue with those. But you're going to take the tree farm and you're going to craft planks out of logs and then chests out of planks. And then you're going to combine those with uh, iron ingots to make hoppers if you wanted to have auto crafted hoppers. Mm -hmm. Just it's bananas. Like when you think about the domino effect that the crafter is going to have on Minecraft, I am right there with you. Like, I mean, you think, oh, yeah, that's cool. And then when you take about five minutes to think about it silently to yourself you're like wait a minute this <laughs> yeah. is this is really really big and i'm a i'm a rube goldberg great ball machine kind of fan and so 
rather than having everything pop into like hoppers and droppers and things like that, I would love to see like water streams of items flying around. And I think I mentioned yesterday that it reminds me of the auto potion brewing systems that you've seen people create where they have to drop potions and ingredients into a specific order into the brewing stand in order for it to work. And I love the way that they are handling the interface and that you just click on a box in the UI to block it. And so you can only craft in a certain shape. It's really complicated, but very simple at the same time. And while we don't know for sure, when I was looking at that, it feels like the way that the items are received by the crafter are from top left to bottom right uh, slots one through nine. Yeah. Uh, Because the the sword didn't come in in the way that gravity kind of you'd expect it to be that it came in top to bottom it came in ingot ingot and then uh stick in the example that they showed on screen and so to me it's going line by line so if you had those top three open uh and then the bottom two in the middle open then and you were doing ingots and sticks then you would make a pickaxe instead right and it like it's it's really really interesting to see what they're what they're doing with that I will throw in another detail of that that I don't think I've seen many people mention, but it does ingot, ingot, stick. It doesn't stack the two ingots in the first crafting slot. So anytime it receives a new item, I don't know if that has to be on an interval or if it's just that it adds them in in the order that the hopper puts them in, it's going to assume that you're putting that in a new crafting slot instead of crafting multiple of that item, right? But earlier in the video, we see Lady Agnes crafting some hanging signs and manually she puts in a stack or so of items she like drags the the um cherry wood around and it's clear that you can add multiple items to those inventory slots but if you're doing it automatically you're crafting one thing at a time so let's say for example you rig this up to a skeleton spawner you're filtering out the bones the arrows maybe you have the armor dispensed onto an armor stand so that that gets cleared out of the way and you're just left with the bows you set up a crafter at the end of a hopper chain there you fill that up with cobblestone and redstone dust in stacks all the way around and then you just leave the bows to filter in and this thing will output dispensers for you and it will go through a stack before you need to reload it without you having to add in all of the cobblestone and the redstone dust using additional hoppers and waiting for it to fill up so you can actually do stuff like that pretty effectively on the other hand shaped crafting recipes and more complex recipes are going to be more complicated to implement in there so like if you've got a um like a comparator recipe for example three redstone torches quartz three smooth stone that's got to come in in a really specific order so it's got to be torch torch quartz torch stone 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 and you've got to have like different droppers probably firing off at different times into a water stream to like you said with the potion brewing setup feed those items in a little piece at a time so i think it's a it's a really interesting mechanical way of dealing with it that is going to prompt some redstone problem solving in order to figure out how best to use it and this kind of feeds into the email we got from Kokoradaki about the crafter so i'm going to read that and then we can get back into the discussion here 
Kokuridaki is a, I think at this point, well-known landscape artist member of our Discord and wanted to know if auto-crafting felt a little overpowered. Says, hello there, Joel and Pix. I watched the 1.21 reveal today, Sunday, and I'm so excited for most of what was shown. New tough blocks, new copper blocks, and automatic crafting. All very exciting. Auto-crafting especially sounds like it's going to be a huge hit in the Redstone community, not only as a challenge to build machines to automatically craft stuff, but it also means crafting dispensers will be far easier now. Exactly the uh, place my brain went. And uh, Kokoridaki says, I'm sure Cubfan is going to have a blast using this to make cakes. However, I'm surprised at how easy the system seems to use, mostly in that it costs the player nothing more than the time it would take to manually craft the items themselves. Maybe the crafting recipe for the block will account for it, but I'm surprised Mojang didn't make it require some sort of fuel to power it. Do you guys think the crafter is a little too powerful the way it is? I highly doubt Mojang will add on some sort of cost now, since that would likely cause a lot of frustration among players who base their expectations on the information given during Minecraft Live. Kokoridaki pulled the wrong lever and was shot by the dispenser he just auto-crafted. Whoops. <laughs> I, I think that the rate at which the crafter can auto craft will likely be slower than people are imagining. Uh, for example, the, the, the thing that you just said about Agnes putting in a uh, hanging signs, you could easily just pull those into your inventory. You don't have to do them automatically. Like you could have just crafted a stack of signs like that and pulled out a stack very, very quickly. Um, the idea is that I think the crafter is going to happen automatically, but slower but you don't have to be there. You don't have to be there hovering over it, uh, doing the thing. And I think that the payoff there is going to be that while your crafter is doing something else, it's very similar to having, you know, a smelter, you know, like you can sit and watch your brick turn into cracked brick, or you can do, go do something else. Hopefully you've, you know, um, manage your time well. And while you're doing this other thing, then your your stone is cooking and you can come back and get the blocks that you need to complete the build that kind of a thing i feel like the crafter is going to be that i also think it's going to take quite a lot of time to set up anything really complicated uh if you've got to move items around and you've got to figure out a complicated setup like you like you mentioned you know building something that requires like a comparator or an observer or any kind of redstone component if you're doing sticky pistons like that kind of a thing is going to require some very specific timing and yes they're going to be automatic when you're done but i think it's going to take you an awful lot of time to set up that like machine to work in a good way it's good gameplay it's fun to design stuff like that but if you want a stack of pistons just craft a stack of pistons it's yeah. going to be faster <laughs> right like yeah. i i think that that's the payoff is like it's the 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 reward is not the thing you're getting it's the stand back and watching the thing build itself that's the reward yeah it's it's the same thing as my copper aging thing where i could just be placing all of this in an open field four blocks apart but i want to build a cool contraption to see it all go you know <laughs> yeah, and that's because you're not boring <laughs> it, but, i mean well that's that's the thing right like you you gotta you gotta find ways of making this interesting for yourself and obviously yes there will be ways where the crafter can feel like a shortcut through things but like i said in the more complex examples of how you're crafting larger recipes it's going to be more difficult and the more ingredients those recipes require it's going to be more difficult take for example anything that's got a single item that you put into the crafting interface and it breaks down uh, skeleton bones for example right like you could have those turn into bone meal 
just by putting one bone in a crafting interface. So the crafter is going to be able to spit those out on a clock and constantly produce bone meal so you don't have to. Then it can output that into a second crafter, which once it fills up, will craft a bone block, receives a redstone pulse, spits those out, automatically compacts your bone meal for you. And those are going to be simple because there is one crafting ingredient involved at all times. Whereas if you want to have something a lot more elaborate crafted by one of these things you're going to need to do a lot of setup first and it's chaining all of that stuff together that's going to be interesting and then the potential output you can have from even simple farms depends on the material you are using like i was re-watching Fwip's watch party stream and afterwards he pointed out how many items you could auto craft from just an iron farm because the iron farm is going to drop ingots and poppies and that's it but the amount of items that can be crafted just using iron ingots you've got armor you know ignore tools because they need sticks but you've got cauldrons you've got iron blocks some of those can be put into a crafter to get anvils and you can have anvils being auto crafted for you you could just have the iron blocks stored you could have a variety of other things iron bars you could potentially break it down into nuggets to make chains and then you can auto craft those as well and that's just the iron you can also compost the poppies to get bone meal have some of the poppies go into a crafter which automatically makes red dye combine the two of those and you have a pink dye farm from iron golems which is the weirdest combination of stuff like the last thing i expect to be getting from an iron farm is pink dye but you can do it with these things and that's the level of interest that this stuff triggers because it's like there are so many additional layers to some of these items that have to go through manual crafting stages with the player involved in that before it goes anywhere and cutting out the middleman of the player being there maintaining that stuff it makes kelp farms a lot more viable because then you can smelt all of your kelp using smokers have the auto crafter crafted into kelp blocks have the blocks go back into the smelter without the player having to be there to refill the smokers every so often with with the kelp blocks and so that makes kelp way more viable than it was before for me because i didn't like the manual input side of that so i never bother using it as a fuel source and now that step can be eliminated you can definitely see kelp working its way back into the meta of what types of fuel players like to use there's so many different options and yeah it's one of those things where i'm fairly certain we won't have thought of everything by the time this thing comes out in snapshots and we get to take a look at it so you can expect to see people putting together some really wild stuff once the snapshots reach us quick question to refresh my memory i should know this can you move a crafting table with sticky pistons i believe so yeah because it doesn't it has a gui but it doesn't have contents it's not like a tile entity like a chest is so you know even if you're crafting stuff if you're disconnected from a crafting table all of the items just pop back into your inventory right nothing is stored in it um so mm. yeah i'm pretty sure you could move a crafting table yeah i wonder if that means that you could move a crafter as well oh that i don't know because that's like right? it, it's having stuff input into it and then it's outputting because mm. because like surely it has an inventory of its own because the player is not present to remove the items in the meantime you know what i mean like it it, it does mm. seem to have like and, and then it spits the item out the same way a dispenser does like it, it's got like a combination crafting table and three by three storage basically 
Um, which again is another interesting thing about it. You could just use it for storage if you wanted to. Like if a dispenser or you know if a crafter fits in the aesthetic of an area, if you want to like hide items somewhere that players might not think to look, put them in your crafter. Like it doesn't have yeah. to come out as a crafting recipe. You can just stash your diamonds in there if you want to. You know, might be kind of interesting to see how that goes. I was just thinking it would work with single recipes like bones and bone meal, bone blocks, that kind of thing rather than powering or unpowering a hopper or having something go through automatically and having to pulse the uh, the crafter, if you were removing the crafter from the position it needs to be in to receive and export something uh, by pulling it down a block, then like you could essentially turn the machine on and off by just pushing and pulling the crafter out of position. Uh, it break that that theory breaks down if you've got multiple items because if you've got like you know your comparator, setup where you've got a couple of torches in there and if you need to move the crafter to a different position to get a quartz crystal in there well that doesn't work because then assuming you can move a crafter all the torches would pop out of it the moment that you moved it right uh, and that wouldn't work but but if it's just a single thing it would be interesting in terms of moving it around to even if it's something where you're tight on space or you need it to be in a specific location to um make the thing but then you wanted to export the thing in a different location if you could move it and have the thing export in a different location i don't know it's it's hard to say my guess is that it probably won't be able to be moved by a piston but it would be neat if they figured that out another interesting tidbit about this is it can be placed in all six orientations so you could have it output upwards or downwards if you wanted to as well as in any of the cardinal directions Oh, did they say that in the presentation? I that, missed that's, that. That's not in the presentation, but it has been confirmed by the devs in a separate Q&A. So, cool. Yeah, we, we have, like, I think they, they told the SciCraft Discord a bunch of stuff that they were dying to know about. Like, obviously, the, right. the, the AutoCrafter <laughs> is going to be their bread and butter for a very long time. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm 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 looking I'm looking to them for you know some of the answers and and some folks have kindly posted a, a little bit more info in our live chat. So yeah, the, there's there's some stuff that they're gonna do. They <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna have some real fun with this one. Um, we are probably gonna have to wrap up this discussion, but before we go and do our our usual outro, I want to talk about the potential for the name of this update because once again, like last year, they did not reveal a name, even if they have a working title behind the scenes. It might be something that they're waiting to hear back from the community on and i in my head have been jokingly referring to this as the trials and tiles update purely because it makes me sound like an australian saying trails and tails updates <laughs> um, <laughs> but i but i think you know it, it it's probably not going to be something like that because that would be way too confusing for people to have back-to-back -back updates with nearly identical names but i entertain the thought for a second and trials clearly a significant part of the update features we know about so far and you know some of these blocks look like tiles so it, it sort of works um but yeah i i think um if if my money was anywhere it's on the word tinkering being involved somewhere because they mentioned that word a lot on stage and i'm hoping that they continue to add a few more things like that they talked about the copper blocks being tinkered as well as tinkering obviously referring to the practice of using redstone and developing redstone systems like that so yeah I, i'm kind of curious to see where the the update name goes but tinkering seems to be one of their buzzwords at least and the name usually has two words with uh and separated them you know caves and cliffs uh trails and tails that kind of stuff uh they mentioned adventure a lot when they were talking about the trial chambers so i'm wondering if it could be if they decide not to have that and in there it could be crafting adventure 
mm-hmm. because of the crafter uh, crafting and adventure update. Uh, you know, they could just go right on the nose and be like, this is what it is. It's a crafting update and it's an adventure update. You know, like it could be very straightforward. Um, I would imagine they might try to use alliteration whenever they can. So caves and cliffs, tra- trails and tails, that kind of thing. But I don't see it being like tinkering and trials or anything like that because we just did like the trails and tails and catchy as it is in some ways, it's also hard to say and hard to remember. Yeah. So having two back-to-back double T updates, I think it would be confusing, I think in general. Uh, not that people wouldn't conflate the two content-wise, just you'd say one meaning the other, you know, your na- the name would just flip in your brain. So I don't know. I feel like they might try to get crafting in there somehow. Yeah, maybe, maybe. It it seems like auto crafting is going to be a pretty major focus, even if, you know, it, it feels like it's just one block, but it's just one block that's probably going to be changing a lot about how we play the game, at least from the technical side of things. Um, but of course, we are going to wait and see what other features get announced for this update because similar to to the trails and tales update this update is not done announcing its features and we might not hear any anything about those before the end of the year but they've said in 2024 for the 15th anniversary of minecraft's release they are going to have a few things up their sleeves so we'll wait and see in the meantime of course you can email the show if you'd like to suggest an update name and maybe we can try a couple of those out and uh, see how they fit in our mouths currently but that's where we're going to leave things for this episode of the spawn chunks you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we talked about today at thespawnchunks.com the music for the show is composed by me and the spawn chunks is proud to be a listener supported podcast if you're getting some value out of the show why not consider putting some value back in you can visit patreon.com slash the spawn chunks to join our community where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons only discord chat you can listen to the show live when we record it every monday we also have our quarterly hangout and monthly minecraft audio hangouts coming up where our community can get the behind the scenes facts and figures about the podcast and also share what they've been doing in minecraft this month we currently have 325 patrons which is up for from last week thank you to the four of you for jumping on board and special thanks go out to our content engineer patrons hunter 555 jumbo sale mind trip media party voyager and yitz thank you all for your support on this episode Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast. Just tell a friend that you can listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and even YouTube. Really, wherever you can find a podcast, you can find The Spawn Chunks. Be sure to leave a rating and a review on your favorite platform. You can email the show once again at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Please use that email address. The RSS feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com, and the Patreon-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixelriffs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixelriffs, where the Minecraft Survival Guide is currently in its third season. I stream three days a week on Twitch, doing behind-the-scenes work for the aforementioned YouTube series, and I'm sure this week will be dominated by discussion of everything we've seen at Minecraft Live, so head on over there if you want some more discussion. In the meantime, I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. And aside from that, I'm at Pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I'm doing online can be linked at joelduggan.com, including the Citadel Cafe, my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. Last week, we talked about Ahsoka, the finale, and that's been up and published. We also have an extended version of that podcast now, so if you're a patron, you can check out extra content from myself and Stephen ESC. I'm Joel Duggan on social media, very easy to find. 
And I'm Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream Thursday through Sunday, building the Citadel most of the time, but of course, Lego on Fridays. And if you're interested in that Minecraft Star Wars DLC, I'm actually building a Lego X-Wing Starfighter on Fridays. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, and we will auto-craft all of it.